Filtering in. There we go. We're filtering in. So this this part of the pod, the filter in part, as we're on the internet now, is not normally on the actual podcast. This is only for the YouTube and Twitch and Twitter viewers. But since Mike is MIA, probably asleep, and I'm going to need to do this mo- with CJ, and maybe if MOC wakes up or returns by text or something, maybe with Mike, but I'm going to have to do this entire pod by myself, which I don't think I can do. I work with people who have to do this kind of stuff, you know, like that's their job. Sports radio people talk to themselves. CBS, you know, WFAN a little less so, but CBS Sports Radio, there's a lot of talking to yourself for three or four hours. They're incredibly talented at it. I am not. You so used the to idea, do this though, right? What used to do, I used to, but it was it was local sports talk radio. So local, you're talking to callers a lot. Mm. Now, occasionally I would have to fill 10 or 15 minutes by myself, but I was in practice. I'm not in practice now. Like I got out of it because I wasn't good at it. <laughs> I'm good at thinking about it, but I'm not good at doing it. But in any case, so we're gonna have to fill the time of the pod. So you're getting the filter in part. So we do almost all the pods live now. If you're listening to this on the actual podcast and rather than video, rather than watching it now, if you're watching it on YouTube and Twitch, give us questions. We might need this later. So if you're watching live on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, give us questions. In any case, doing this, what was I going to say? Oh, I need to honestly like fill up more time. But if you're listening to the podcast part, we do this live all the time on YouTube and Twitch. It's usually Wednesday nights and Saturday or Sunday mornings. I feel like we should post a schedule somewhere so people know when it's going to be. Not that they're going to, you know, schedule their lives around it, but at least they got a little, they got a little taste of it last pod because I cut in Mike's, um, Mike's ramp ramp it up. Yeah. Ramp ramp it up in the beginning of the filter. So yeah, it was a little taste of the filter in the regular pod. So this is the filter in part where we let people get into the live part. But so it's it's being recorded on Saturday morning at 11, now 11, 17 a.m. Eastern time, 8, 17 Pacific time. My guess is that Mike slept in. I hope nothing bad happened to him or this will be a very sad podcast at some point. If you know, if, if there's something bad that happened to Mike. No, we're not taking live Zoom callers. Okay, here we go. The rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. And I have sent an invite. A, a text invite to Mike O'Connor because at least it's another Mike. It's less preparation for me to do with another person has, who has the same name as my normal co-host. I couldn't really ask anybody else. You know, Lonzo? Lonzo's around? I don't feel like texting anybody. And now I'm doing the podcast, so I can't text them. The Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up. Do you know Zoe's uh, cell phone number? No, I don't. Maybe I'll text I have a use number. You. Hey, I'll text it to you. AU's always AU's tech problems I can't deal with this morning. <laughs> I I need so AU always has some sort of tech issue, whether it's noise or his camera is broken or something like that. So I don't want to I can't deal with that now. And I certainly can't deal with it being live. But um there we Do go. Do DM though? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna share his contact with you. You have an iPhone, right? Yeah. I do. I'm going to share his contact with you and you can send him a text and maybe Zoe will join us. That would be fun. So in any case, you text him. Maybe we have, maybe we have Zoe. The Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Body bio supplements for a healthier life. Also, I assume it's possible Zoe just saw this on the internet. 
it's a good chance. And he hears the live request. And it's also possible that AU saw me say no. <laughs> I just can't. I love AU on the pod. I just can't deal with the, the tech problems right now. Um, what's it called? Uh, get your, where was that? Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Body Bio Supplements for a Healthier Life. Get 20% off any purchase with code RTRS20 at bodybio.com. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where writes Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged and kinetic skateboarding. Get free tunes for the life of the board with the purchase of any new snowboard. On the show today, I'm doing it myself. Because Mike's not here. A genuinely stunning win for the Sixers over the Hawks. We, when I say we, I mean mostly me with a little bit of CJ, talk about the floor and ceiling of every young player on the Sixers. And is this year a good opportunity for a stealth tank? A stealth tank. Mike O'Connor wrote that about wrote about that on rightstreakysanchez.com yesterday. I haven't plugged plugged the uh, Carl Landry Record Club podcast in a while, so I'll plug that now because Mike rolls his eyes when when we do it. We do a music podcast too. Mutlu and I do a music podcast called Carl Landry Record Club, and the idea of it is to turn you on to new music that your Spotify or Apple Music wouldn't normally suggest to you. What those algorithms do is they suggest to you music that you already like, which is fine, but we like to discover music from each other. So we get suggestions from listeners and we give them to each other and then we talk about them. So this week's pod was Daniel Johns, the lead singer of Silverchair Talk. We talked about that album and Fallout Boys, Take This to Your Grave. So you can go to carllandryrecordclub.com for more on that. Without fur- any further ado, Amos and the chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is here. Say the name. I say the name. I say the name. We will write y'all. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who isn't here and a guy who is, that is no Mike Levin, but there is producer CJ in his new apartment with his tiny door and his uh, serial killer walls. That's right. What uh, door that's tiny? The closet door? Yeah. So the closet door. So CJ moved. CJ now has his own apartment in Philadelphia. We're not going to tell you where, but he has his own apartment. He has really good internet. But he right. just moved in, so there's nothing on the walls. So it's plain white walls. Looks like he's a, a serial killer. But the aspect, sort of like the the perspective that we get, because you're in the front and the door is way in the back, it mm. looks like you have a tiny door. <laughs> it's so good. Looks looks uh, like a normal sized door to me. Um, no, no. <laughs> I, if I anyone's stink. in the chat, it looks like a, a tiny door. Matt says it looks like a tiny door. It doesn't look like a tiny door. It's an interesting observation. I have a standing desk now included in my new apartment. So the yep. camera's probably pointing downwards. A little um, bit. Maybe that makes you, makes you look better, I think, too, right? Do, doesn't so. pointing downward camera 
don't, don't, I don't girls like that? My um, wife, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm not objectifying or, or generalizing, but my wife and her friends seem to like the camera pointing down. I think uh, any extreme is bad, like if it's too low or too high, yeah. but yeah, I think like as long as it's not just straight center, then yeah, yeah. look at that tiny door, tiny door. So the Apple Podcast five star review is actually ironic given the context. We are at two thousand nine hundred seventy six five star ratings on Apple Music. When we get to three thousand, I will read all of the reviews by myself. Maybe we should make Mike, <laughs> CJ walk. Can, can you walk into the door while I'm? <laughs> this is such a good. <laughs> Now CJ looks tiny. <laughs> anyway, when we get to 3,000 3, five-star ratings, I will read all the reviews from 2,000 to 3,000 on a pod. These have been going up exponentially when I started doing this again. This comes from UD Jack. The subject line is shared pain. I feel like Mike and I have the same uncontrollable connection to the heart-wrenching, connection to the heart-wrenching team. Spike is adequate. So... I have built my career on being adequate and part of being adequate is just showing up. That's what I did today. I, as I, I agree with Mike that availability is not the best ability, but it has been my best ability in my career. Maybe I have a, I have a theory. So maybe yep. sometimes I've heard through withdrawal, you can't like cold Turkey it. Like it, mm -hmm. it needs to kind of be a balance. Mm -hmm. Maybe the snap of bad vibes with the good win last night, broke Mike. As I say this, Mike has uh, he just joined. wasn't ready for it. He went cold turkey off bad vibes. Yeah, yeah. As I say this, Mike has joined the Google Doc. Um, oh, well, so. well, well. This this will add a well. Here's the good thing for Mike. He skipped the filter in, which he hates. Yeah. He, you know what this is like. What Mike did is like what Jason Peters does in training camp and doesn't have to go to camp and just mm. just shows up for the games that's what happened he missed the five-star review he missed the filter and all the stuff he hates and there he is and without further ado there he is there sorry he is. guys my bad <laughs> first, first 10 minutes of the pod i was doing solo well a little bit a little bit of cj it was like 80 percent me 20 percent cj he was doing a great job i messed up yeah sorry, everybody I, I likened your appearance so you missed the filter in you missed the five-star review. You're sort of like the Jason Peters of the pod in that mm. you don't participate in training camp. You just yeah. get there for the games. And I can't move very well also. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and you have your own guy stretching you, which I saw once at training camp. Jason Peters, this is a funny story. I was at camp once and everyone on the team had been out on the field, like running sprints and stretching, all that stuff. Jason Peters shows up. 25 minutes into it, basically high-fiving everyone as they're stretching, lays in his own area, and has a guy stretch him. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Real boss high, move. The high-five sounds nice. As yeah, long as you're, yeah. As long as you're happy to be there. Yep, for sure. So we'll get right into the game. Of course, we're doing Sixers-Hawks, Sixers, uh, young players ceiling and floor, just informing you, Mike, as you just got here, maybe talk a little stealth tank. Last night, a, a really stunning win, I think, for everyone concerned. But I think there's a way that you can win a game like this. This is an actually a great sort of polarization between the Celtics game and the Hawks game. The Sixers could have won that Celtics game, sure. and it would have felt like they lucked into a win. S similar scores, all that kind of stuff. But this game, the purpose they played with on offense in the second half, it was, ne it was never perfect, right? But 
I don't feel like they lucked into that win. I feel like they earned that win last night. And it was a it was an encouraging from a, an Embiid perspective specifically, but an encouraging unexpected win rather than what the Boston win would have been, would have just been a ah fuck that we you know, we ended up with more points than the other team. Uh yeah, I agree with that. I think yeah. that they looked very sluggish in the first half. Um and they there were still times when they just stood there. There was one possession where just Danny was holding the ball like 30 feet from the basket and mm-hmm. was like looking around and I was I just started screaming and <laughs> I think I'm I'm really I I've really gotten it's not only a Danny thing, but like with my tolerance for just like slow possessions, I'm just becoming a grizzled old coach. Yeah. Um but they did they really did turn it around in the second half. Um and I, I, my particularly most impressive thing was, you know, I've gotten on Embiid a lot for mm-hmm. um, how, how he's looked offensively. His touch is not there. Like, it's just not. It's, it wasn't there last night still for the most part. Hit a, hit a couple shots, but, but still, like, didn't, didn't feel like the mid-range savant that he was last season. Almost um, every shot, by the way, front rim. Yeah. Almost every shot, which yeah. is, I, I think, significant to note, you know? Yeah, but... I thought he was passing really well. I thought he, he was really yeah, had an eye for distributing. It seemed like it was like whether it was kickouts or some duck ins, he had some underneath passes, which I always love. Um, he definitely turned the ball over a couple of times, wasn't perfect. And, but when he wasn't being careless, when he wasn't just sort of being the like, sort of like whatever, I don't have this. When he, when he knew where he wanted to go with it, he really made some nice passes. And I thought that was nice. Um, yeah, I, my thing, this is not uh relevant to last night that much but i i would love for the offense to be spaced more the way that brett used to space the shooters like beyond the three-point line yeah so that they can there is so more true. room to, so that yep. there's more room for them to operate and then they can yep. step into it rather than the pass and then they're like you know tobias tippy toes right right on the line I, I just feel like that would help a lot and would cause other guys to not you know, hesitate before doubling because it's more space for them to to travel before there. But uh, I thought I thought Embiid was, especially in the second half last night, really really good. The the word that I would use to describe Embiid's uh, passing and his offense in the second half, even without that touch, is purposeful. Mm-hmm. Like even though he threw a pass to uh, to Danny Green in the corner, it was a nice pass because he had to go over a couple people that Danny Green hit the shot. But yeah. it was just a got the ball. Double came through the pass. And then there was another one to Seth Curry at the top of the key. And the shot didn't go in, but it was it was purposeful. And to your point about space, there's really two things you can do when Embiid has the ball in the post. You in a in a very short thing, you can move or not move, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're not gonna move, then you you have to be able to be creating enough space that it makes e- it makes it easy for Embiid to work and it makes it punishing for the other team to double and if those players and it, you would think with Maury being a part of this he i'm sure Maury understands it because those houston teams shot more long threes than any other team in the nba it really shows the difference between somebody like danny green and tobias because i think if danny green is is standing f- four feet beyond the three-point line I, I think the defense thinks he will shoot it, but I don't think they think Tobias will shoot it. Sure. You know, so, but I, I thought they were purposeful on offense. I think I brought this up before too. It makes me wonder about Embiid's mid-range thing, which was, when you think about it from last year, was 
pretty unbelievable how lights out he was from mid-range. Yeah. yeah, I thought every shot was going in. I wonder, we'll never know this, I wonder how much not having fans in the arena contributed to him being able to shoot mid-range so well. Like perspective-wise, all those things considered, it was just such a stark difference. He shot, maybe he was lucky, but the percentage he shot from mid-range last year and the confidence that he and you know we had in him shooting it was just so beyond any other year of his career. And that is the only thing I can think of that was different. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like it's not like it's the bubble, right? Like Anthony Davis as a shooter is a guy that I just don't, I don't believe in him being yep. an elite shooter and in the bubble he was. Mm-hmm. And there were some fans in some, some arenas last year. Um, well, not till I, the end though. I mean, not really. It wasn't until like the last quarter of the season. It was it was mostly empty arenas okay. last year. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I I still think he's still an excellent foul shooter. He's always been an excellent foul shooter. Um, it just it seems like he's just fading away a little bit more on everything. Um, and he can hit those shots. Obviously, he can hit those shots. Obviously, he can get hot from wherever he wants. He still looks good from three. I'd like him to shoot more threes. We're still talking about the same stuff always. But um, the one note that I think. I hope he improves as a mid-ranger and we can just be like, this is who he is. And it's just had a yeah. rough stretch. Fine. And and also like, you know, if he had, if, if his, he hasn't really talked about it too much still, but like if COVID was as bad for him as it seems like it was losing your legs yeah, and get, sure. not getting enough lift on your shot seems uh, pretty reasonable. Well, and him, uh, as much as anybody, he loses fitness probably yeah. quicker than any other player on the team. You know? True. Yeah. But uh, there was one play that, uh, I obviously watched on ESPN out here. Um, Van Gundy, Jeff, Jeffrey Van Gundy, uh, made note of one time that Embiid rolled on a Korkmaz drive. Yes, yes. And it wasn't it wasn't a hard roll. He's not Rashawn Holmes out there. But just like drifting toward the basket, he has to be accounted for so much that it allowed for an open lane for the driver. I don't think he should do it every time. I think pick and pop is, makes sense a lot of the time. But sometimes he has to roll. And he doesn't have to roll that hard. He just has to do it a little bit. Um, and he talked about it in that game. I think it was the Minnesota game. Yeah, because D'Angelo Russell picked it off. But he talked about how with a maxi pick and roll, he popped and he's like, I should have rolled. And he expected me to roll. And that's why that turnover was on me when, when, when D'Angelo picked it off. And it's just like, it's just not in his nature. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I, I would love to see like a couple more times a game that he does that. Because then he's open for, I mean, even if he doesn't get the shot, he's open for offensive rebounds. He's huge. Like, it's just we need some more of that. And if you surround him with shooters outside, then you don't have to worry so much about, like, clogging the paint. Like, if Matisse is in there, maybe you don't do it. But, yeah. Mike, this is going to seem early for you because you just got here, but it's Big Barker time. I, I actually, as from big from a Big Barker perspective, I just want to read this email. It came from James. I was just down in South Florida visiting my parents. We're all from Montgomery County uh, for Thanksgiving. Sitting around our living room, my mother remarked that our dogs, that our dog, a 13-year-old yellow lab dozer named Dozer, my dog's bed was starting to get old and smelly. As any Ricky listener would have in the situation, I jumped on the opportunity to make an off-the-cuff remark about the big barker and how it's been verified by PenVet as the best dog bed around. My father almost immediately hopped onto his iPad and purchased one, not caring about the cost in the slightest, stating that even if he sleeps on it for one night, it's worth it. <laughs> we got it delivered today, and he loves it so it's much pretty, so that pretty dramatic. Yeah, he'll sleep on it for more than one night. Yeah, but but that's how that's how you should think about your dog, right? You should think if I can make my dog's life better for one day, 
I should do it. Bigbarker.com slash Ricky is where you get the Big Barker with the processed pup patches. The rest of the email, we got to deliver today. And he loves it so much that he bought his best friends, that he brought his best friends, two stuffed hedgehogs and his Frisbee onto it with him. According to my parents, he's been snoozing on it since it came in the mail 30 minutes ago. He is an old dog whose hips and back legs are starting to go after years and years of swimming in the lakes of upstate New York in the summertime. And I think he's happy to have a bed that gives his joints and hips the rest they've been yearning for. Please see the attached photos for the Process Pup Gallery and feel free to use this story as a testimonial. Unfortunately, my dad refused all attempts at me putting the Process Pup patch on the side, but we're still happy to support a local company and even happier that my dog can spend his last couple years in maximum comfort. It's the, the, by the way, the photos with the stuffed hedgehog and the Frisbee are fucking amazing. Um, I'll post them on the Instagram. Look, the, the Big Barker is the only dog bed that you should be getting your dog. It is a real bed. It supports your dog's joints. As James said, it is proven by Penn Vet. Your job as a dog rescuer is to make that dog's life comfortable and healthy and big barker does it bigbarker.com slash ricky you get the big barker dog bed and the process pup patches if your dad won't let you put it on the on the bed you can put it on whatever you want you can have the patches you can put it on your mall on your wall whatever bigbarker.com slash ricky there's a 10-year warranty the foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free if you don't like it they'll give you a full refund within a year and even pay for the shipping handmade in the usa big barker dog beds Uh, rest of the, I, didn't, I didn't have too much on the rest of the game. It was another pretty good shake game, you know. Uh, I, I did I just want to say, like, yeah, the there was watching Embiid. I feel like you you always watch Embiid's facial reactions a lot during a game and and, mm-hmm. and determine whether or not he's invested or not. And there was after he hit that shot to put him up too. I he went to the bench. He like gave a Danny like a soft high five like there was no emotion whatsoever and I was like oh that's kind of what's going on there like why is yeah. why is he doing this and then when Gallinari missed he like exploded yeah like it felt like there was something that like some came out of him that we just hadn't seen in a while and I was like oh I think he was just like really really tense about wanting to win this fucking game uh and it was it was like a really like it was like a kind of like 1970s baseball celebration. Like it was yeah. ugly. Like it wasn't like a clean, fun celebration. He just like lost his mind. Uh, so I, I just thought seeing that was was pretty cool to get the win for him because. I know, think it was relief too. It was definitely relief. relief. Yeah. And also like, it was also nice to just see him contest a buzzer beater shot that hit the rim and, and didn't go in again. Like that. Yeah. It should, when it hits the rim like that, it should, it should rim out. And uh, I'm glad <laughs> yeah. that it did. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the spe- I was assuming it was going to go in. It was, and it was Gallinari who, who I'm a, yeah. I, I rate Gallinari higher than he should be rated. I think he's awesome. I'd love Gallinari, but I was, I was sure that fucking shot was going in. And the other thing I wanted to bring up because we were talking about Sacramento and like, I don't, I don't want to, actually, I think this is a good transition into the young players on the Sixers to, to talk about them. But we were talking about Sacramento and how after all these years of being bad, you look at them and they had a bunch of fine draft picks, you know, players who could contribute on good teams and, and, but, but nothing like special. And then I was just thinking about the Hawks last night, even what they were missing last night, but the number of good young players, it seems like they have compared to, it seems like the Sixers are like right in the middle of those two teams. Like the, the Hawks to me have, sort of an abundance 
of young and and actually promising players and then one star in Trey Young. And the Sixers at this will end up with one star at least at this point right now with but the only player that the Sixers have that I feel like I would feel the same way about that I feel like the I feel like the Hawks secondary players is Maxi, right? And I feel like the Sixers are like in between how the Hawks did and the Kings did. Yeah, maybe I mean the, the Hawks definitely went upside um for a lot of those guys, right? I think that uh, Cam Reddish, I think, is the exact kind of player that you would love if you were not a Hawks fan. And then if you are, if you were watching him as if he was your guy, you're like, just fucking put it together, man. Like, keep it together. And and I think there's a lot of frustration there. He's a good player. He's better than I thought he would be this quick. I thought he was just too raw to ever really get it there. But he definitely has a ton of ability. DeAndre Hunter, I really always liked. He's super sturdy and just his offensive game has developed faster as well. Um, and just as a really like pretty immovable defensive player. Um, they're pretty good. I think like if Maxi, if Maxi has the career, obviously they're very, very different players, but if Maxi has the career of like John Collins, like where he's like sub all-star, but like very, very good. Um, then that would be probably like a medium outcome, but the yeah. Sixers, I mean, the Sixers do have a, lot, a bunch of young guys. Like they're just not, the Hawks were for so long in a position of like we're drafting high and we are um, building for the future. We're just going upside, and the Sixers have gotten a lot of these guys in the late first, early in the, into the second round. So I think it's it's a slightly different situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say like if you look at you know young cost controlled role players that are contributing, I think the Sixers are doing almost as good as anybody else in the league. That that is one area that they haven't struggled in. Hmm. Do you think though? They're contributors now. Do you think that those players would be contributors if we consider them a real title contender or are they contributors out of necessity? I'm not saying that they're not good, but I'm saying that is their their current contribution due to lack of better options or is it because they're so good? No, I think I think that they're they're real contributors and they could be I think if Doc tightens the rotation up to be eight in the play in the playoff series as they get deeper into it, then then sure. But um yeah, I mean, I think Matisse would contribute on any team. Um, I think Shake could. I think Korkmaz, if he's shooting well, could. Um, I think, I think Isaiah Joe should. That's my. That's where I'm at. I thought I told my friend who is doing this is a DraftKings promo, but my my buddy I used to work with uh, reached out about it and he like, hey, any tips? And I was like, I think I think Isaiah Joe's going to play. It's going to be for cheap uh, for DraftKings, but he didn't he didn't get in there. I thought Doc was souring on Korkmaz, although Korkmaz did have a nice game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I look. I love our young guys. I like. I believe in them. I still, as you'll see in this next segment, still believe in Jaden Springer. So you're not gonna, you're not gonna get me there. But it's the, it's the high level guys that that you depend on more. That without Ben and with Tobias struggling and with Embiid not shooting as well as he should be, then that's that's where you're struggling. I think I think role players are role players. I, I, I this 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 Sixers team has more depth than any in recent memory. Um, and, but it's. That there's only so much they can do, you know, that's, that's their, that's their role. So the next thing we were going to talk about, was, I, have, sorry, I have a couple more things uh, about the game. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Go ahead. I just want to say Seth is God. What a fucking conundrum. Every time I, it's, it's crazy to do this every game that he is just so good and then just disappears every game. It is remarkable. It yeah. is really like a, a true talent. Like I would love to run like his, He's he he dominates in the game when they're not like solely focused on him, and then he'll rip mm-hmm. off like twelve points in the first quarter, 
And it'll be like, oh, fuck, we got to focus on him. And then he'll be like, I'm done. I'm good. Like, don't worry about me. I'm sitting. I got my feet up as if like I, I made dinner. And now like somebody else is doing the dishes. Like that's somebody else's problem. It's not mine. And he's just like hanging out on the court. I would love to run more Seth pick and roll. I would I would love to run. Obviously, he's not super fast, but his threat as a shooter yeah. is, has just so much gravity. It has players jumping out of their pants. He's a fine passer, even though he's so small that he can't really see a bunch of other stuff. He gets rattled as a ball handler sometimes, for sure. But like Seth Joel pick and roll with Joel rolling, I would just like to see it more. I I, I feel like it would be helpful. Um, and I and, think he would, he would be served by, as well, more fast players on the team so that his slowness was not such a compounding detriment. And I agree. And I think the thing to compare it to is that I think Seth is not a great dribble handoff guy, which Embiid is so used to like creating that way. He's gotten better at it. He's gotten more used to it for sure. He's gotten better, but he's not, his release is not quick enough and he's not athletic enough. You know, Redick had such a, a, I'm going to compliment Redick, had a quick release, was willing to fire from anywhere and Mm -hmm. had sort of a, not, he, he, it's not like he was super athletic, but he had a pop to his, his Mm -hmm. sort of like short, short and, and Seth doesn't have any of that. And I think if you run, run that and pick and roll, it gives him the opportunity. He's a, cra- a much craftier dribbler and a better passer than JJ is. Mm-hmm. And I think those things lend themselves better to running screen and roll. But to your point from earlier, Embiid's got a roll. Yeah. He's got totally. a role. For, for, to make, for to make it valuable for Seth, he's got a role. Totally. I also want to say, I, I, I get on Seth for his defense a lot, but the off-ball defense in that critical possession late uh, when he intercepted John Collins was excellent. Like it was really yeah. good. he he MB lost uh, Collins initially, and Seth helped off of his man to like stem basically a inbounds lob, which would have been crushing. And then he went back to his man, and then and like, tracked his eyes. It was great. Danny also helped rotate onto the Collins drive too. He's always really great at that. I thought this team does have a lot of, including Matisse, like really good off ball defenders, smart off ball defenders, and they just seem like without Ben they and. Sometimes Matisse taking gambles and stuff. It does seem like they they could use one more like good on ball defender that is tough to get by, especially from the point of attack. Which, mm-hmm. as you'll find out in the next segment, for me is Jaden Springer. But not maybe not this year, but eventually. Uh, and then the last thing, uh, Maxi turn in the corner is great. I think it was it was a it was a fine Maxi game. Like did what he had to do. This this looked like more what you'd expect a second year player like taking a big role. Still didn't turn the ball over, but like. It's he turns been, the corner. It's been Sorry. him since the last for the last five games. But since yeah, but this MB wasn't this wasn't out. right. But this wasn't like last game was his worst game of the season. I, I agree. Um, and this it wasn't was like a just like game. I'm just doing I'm doing what I'm good at. Um, so I'd still like to see more threes. And the defenses really are accounting for him now. Like when he turns the corner, he had two guys collapse on him for one play. One was John Collins. I forget who the other one was. And John and Collins ended up blocking him at the rim. But if you're drawing two help defenders. As on a paint drive with your man behind you, you did your job. Somebody's open and you got it like, I think he's got good vision when the whole floor is spaced out in front of him. But I would like to see a little more of that quick reaction time when it's like, oh shit, I have guys on me. There's Danny's open for three in the corner. And so I, I, I would think that's the next evolution of his game as a, as a floor general distributor type because he has that's his elite skill is turn is turning the corner on guys, but now he has to use that to get other guys open, not just get looks for him at the rim. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I th- I think the 
I don't want to talk about it now. It, it's a good thing to talk about the Maxi thing in regard to MOC's Stealth Tank article okay. because I think you know we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about yeah. that later. La- last, last, last thing is yep. I just want to shout out George Niang, such an asshole, so yep. necessary on this team. Yeah, like, absolutely needed it. Didn't realize. I don't know why. Maybe there were just too many assholes on the Jazz that I didn't realize that he had this. This was his character. But like he's got it, and it's really nice. He was he was working for position for defensively on, on Collins. There was a post up that Collins tried to have him on. He's like, oh, I got this chubby guy in the post behind me. I'm gonna like put him in the basket. And Niang's just working his ass off down there, and he ended up stepping in and picking it off. And it's just like him and occasionally Embiid, although it's hard for your best player to beat this guy, especially if he's not not a guard, are the only like real assholes on the team. And Zoe talks about it a lot in the newsletter, but we just need an asshole. And I'm glad that it's Niang. I would like an asshole that was a little bit more athletic. Maybe can asshole that can leap over the rim. But I thought it was necessary. I thought he played a, a pretty nice game last night for sure. Yeah, I agree. Before we get to the ceiling and floor, what we're going to do with the young players is talk about their their best comp floor and their best comp ceiling and what we think is more likely if we had a bet. And we will do that next. Right now, I want to talk about your health. So important. Body Bio is our partner in health. Obviously, the Sixers are our partner in uh, lack of health and uh, mm-hmm. instability, but Body Bio is our partner in stability. Body Bio is a supplement company. They're, they're great because they're local and they're family owned and operated. Body Bio Mike, shout out, shout out Body Bio Jess. And the reason that that is a plus that they're smaller is that it means that they can change quicker and big companies, it's harder for them to change. That's in everything, but in, in supplements and science, it's important because it changes so often. So I'll say always that the first step to being healthy and your immune system and stuff is how you live your life. It's what you eat. It's your sleep, all of those things. So without that, you're, it's going to be tough. You can't just use supplements. But what Body Bio stuff does is that it fills in the blanks. You know, for me being vegan, it's actually, I need the blanks filled in. For me not sleeping enough sometimes, I need some of those blanks filled in. Talk about two things that we talk about all the time that Body Bio provides, um, that Body Bio can, can get to you. E-Lite, which helps you with hydration and liposomal vitamin C, which helps you with your immune system directly by adding vitamin C. Hydration, I was talking to a coworker last night who was thinking about running a marathon. And I said, the the mistake that people make is they think hydration is all about just water. It's not. It's about the balance of electrolytes with water. So you can't just drink water. You need electrolytes. What Elite is, is it's pure electrolytes. So it's not like any of those sport drinks where you're getting sugar and artificial flavors and colors and calories, all that. Elite is just electrolytes. You take a small cap of it and you put it in whatever you drink once a day and you'll stay hydrated. It's super important. What it really helped me with is I used to cramp in my legs all the time, in my feet. It would happen while I was driving. Since I started using Elite, nothing. And then liposomal vitamin C is their vitamin C supplement that is better because it doesn't release till it gets to your cells. And even vitamin C in food and vitamin C in supplements is water soluble, which means you get all the vitamin C, you piss it all out. But liposomal vitamin C, you're holding on to more of it. It, it doesn't release till it gets to your cells. It's great. I love Body Bio. Go to bodybio.com and use promo code RTRS20 for anything they have and you'll get 20% off. Not the first time, not the second time, anything, anything, anytime. Bodybio.com, use promo code RTRS20 and make sure you're healthy. We care about you. All right. Let's go through these players. Uh, I, I don't want to do Maxi first. We'll push Maxi to the back. Why don't we do... 
you know, you mentioned Jaden Springer. I don't even have them for Jaden Springer. Let's do Jaden Springer first. What is your best floor comp and your best ceiling comp? And what do you think is more likely? The, well, the floor is definitely, this is a very, this is, I, with some of them, I, I erred on the side of Sixers. So our uh, listeners can better, more intimately know them. But so with Springer, I think the floor, like he's already going to be a better defensive player, this guy. Mm-hmm. But if he's, if he's like, the worst version of Evan Turner, like the constantly getting blocked version of Evan Turner, that would be tough. That would yep. be a tough, a tough hit. Where if the defense, say the defense doesn't play as much as I think it will, he can't get a shot off against anybody. His handling is functional, but not explosive. He's not, he doesn't have the natural shooting from three. Evan, Evan obviously made himself into a fine player, but like the version of Evan that was like just getting stuffed in summer league constantly and uh, and me specifically being like no 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 it's gonna be fine <laughs> no yeah. no getting blocked on jump shots is actually cool uh that would be that would be tough so this and then the ceiling is the ceiling is some some version of drew like uh obviously it's a, a long way to go there but some version of like drew or like a maybe more naturally george hill um it's so funny that i just don't see that when i watch him play it, it, I, I guess I would have had to watch more college than than yeah. I watch. You know, he, so. he looked really, really uncomfortable in pre in preseason. Yeah, um, just had a little like of that kind of Zaire like ghost, like very scared looking type thing. Didn't know what he was doing. Didn't really know how to play off ball that much. But when you watch him in the G League, like he looks way, way better, way more comfortable, way more like knowing what he does. So ho- hoping that that translates over the over, as he keeps getting better over the couple years, and my and my mid would would be uh, Aaron McKee. Like wow. if you find a, a mid ground between those guys of just like defense, some shooting. Obviously, like it's hard to compare eras like that. Aaron would have shot seven threes a game if if he is here today, but just like heady defense, some creation, but not like a true point guard, um, and just like kind of makes the right plays and is is what you want. So that's. That would be my, that'd be my mid. What do you? Think? I actually, I, I don't have any response on this. I, this is why. This is why you're. I, I just, yeah. I have no idea. I just, yeah. it, it's been so limited, and he has looked so unskilled to me that when you start saying things like Aaron McKee and Drew Holiday, I feel like we're, we've watched like entirely different players. No, no, no. So he, I, he definitely I, didn't look good in, in those in those games for the Sixers. But you watch him in college, you watch him in the G League, and, and you see like what what he could become. Let's do Isaiah Joe second. And so my floor, this is not a, a great uh, floor. My floor for him is just some guy. Sure. So a guy that that's just- the, That's the answer to kind of everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't think of a specific player that was just some guy enough. Maybe it's Ben McLemore. Maybe like a guy that hangs around the league that a couple mm-hmm. people believe in, and but Ben McLemore gets more chances because he's a higher draft pick than Isaiah Joe was. That's um, pretty good. McLemore yeah. has more athleticism, like natural athleticism, but I think mm-hmm. that that's the the role that he fills. I think is that's probably right. My ceiling was Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm, I think it's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. I yeah. said I said Kevin Martin as a ceiling. Oh um, wow! I haven't thought because, about him in forever. Yeah, I mean, like weird shot for sure, but like. Yeah. Just like volume three point shooter, and maybe there's a way where as he gets older, he has some like creation abilities for himself and does yeah. a little more. We've seen some of that. Um, that's I mean that's why it's, it's a it's a unlikely to happen, but that kind of gameplay. 
my my floor was uh, Daquan Cook. If you remember mm-hmm. him from about 15 years ago, he was in the Thad draft. Actually, we traded. Daquan I remember Cook his for, name for Jason yeah. Smith. If you remember, um, and he's just like didn't really wasn't really great at anything. The shot projected. He was on that Ohio State team that uh, Mike Conley and Greg Oden were on, mm. um, and the. You, you thought that the shot was going to be better than it was and he took a bunch of them and it just turned out he wasn't as good of a shooter as as the book on him was. Um, and he didn't really contribute anywhere else, just not good enough. And my uh, mid, I did mid for some guys, uh, would be like current Wayne Ellington where it's just like, mm-hmm. he's yeah. a really good shooter. He can come around screens, do stuff. He gets beat on defense. He, you don't really want him dribbling that much. He's not one of the best shooters in the game, but like any team could use him. So I don't think you're allowed to pick the mid one because it's obviously <laughs> the most likely, which is the yeah. most Mike thing to to do this. That's right. That's right. I, if you made me bet, I have a lot of confidence in Joe and I'm not sure. sure why. I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is a really good player. And obviously it would be a, we would be thrilled if Isaiah Joe became Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more likely he becomes that than just some guy. I am optimistic about him. I'm optimistic too. I... You would think that if he was that good, you know, you can't give the coach all the credit and the staff all the rope to because they make mistakes all yep. the time. But you would think if like if you saw more of that in practice, then you'd be like, we need that guy. And that's how yeah. that's how I feel. Like, I feel like Isaiah Joe is, would be very necessary on as a rotation player on this team to the point where, yeah. like, I would love to trade. And I can't say any specifics because I do love all these guys, and I, especially the role players, the young role players. Like I get, I get attached. But if if there was a cork trade or a shake trade out there that you could move for like a more dominant ball handler, if there mm-hmm. was such a person out there available that is not just DJ Augustine, then I would I would be like, great, we have Isaiah Joe to fill in right away. Like you could do that immediately. Um, but Doc doesn't want to. Doc's not playing him, so. Maybe that's a maybe not maybe he's not as good as I as I think he is, but I, I think Doc is wrong and should find a way to get him in the rotation. Well, Doc's been wrong before. So yeah. Let's do Maxi. Um do you want to go first or me first? Yeah, I mean I've I've Kyle Lowry as ceiling. Like, come on. Like Lowry as a younger player was was more like just speed and effort and uh groundbound athleticism. Um and He's it worked his way into being a really, really good shooter as a small player like that. That's not naturally wasn't that good of a shooter uh, early in his career and at Nova and stuff. And he, and he turned himself into that. And that's kind of how I see Maxi getting there. The floor, I would say, is like sixth man, like Leandro Barbosa type. Yeah. Um, I said JJ like, Beret and DJ Augustine. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Augustine is a, it, Augustine is at least has more point guard to him like and always has especially yeah. in his prime so but the speed yeah. thing the small thing the, yeah yeah i yeah, think that's that right could, i think yeah I, and i did do a mid for maxi uh which is like dennis schroeder which Oof. is like you're a little bit disappointed by Oof. but the speed he's already like a, a smarter player who tries harder um and i would also say like a devin harris possibly yeah. in the middle mm-hmm. um devin harris had a couple of really good years but never for like great teams um, and could score and obviously hit one of the most depressing shots in Sixers history when he hit a half-court shot or a like three-quarter court shot over Andre Godala at the buzzer, um, which was a travel or at least a 
clock should have run out. Still mad. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's more likely it is Mac. I think it's more likely it is Kyle Lowry. I just, I think the thing that happens before draft that we don't get to do is inter- they interview all these guys and they interview their coaches, they interview their families, and they interview everybody, their friends to be like, what kind of person is this person? And will they work hard? And will they be the person that we that could grow into the X, X, Y, or Z player? And I just believe Maxi was going to do that. I just really, the, how much he's improved already, the kind of guy he seems to be, how everybody loves playing with him. I just really, really believe in him as a, as a human being and as a, as a player. Um, so I'll say, I'll say more likely to hit the upside. So my upside, now I know these players are not similar to him in style, but uh, similar to him in effectiveness. I had ceiling as, but I thought about, I thought about what the result of the good play is. So the the points assist what what they end up being. So CJ McCollum is obviously more crafty a dribbler and all that kind of, and obviously a better shooter, but is a twenty three point four and a half assist guy and not lead ball handler. And I had Fred Van Vliet too, but I, I have those as ceiling. I I think Tyrese Maxey is great. I struggle with the ceiling that some people are coming up with him on because I I have like I don't see him as a twenty five or 30 point a game scorer and I don't see him as a lead well, there's guard. So few, so few people that are 30 points a game scorer. If you can well, be but even 20, 20 even really 25 good. on a good team. Like I I just I'm I'm not again I'm I don't think it's negative. I think he'll be a really good player, but I just don't think he projects out as a lead guard the way Lowry does or he could. I mean, I'm I've been wrong before, but I I just it just there's something that doesn't jump out at me on either thing though he is a hard worker great kid very fast all of those things we'll probably figure out and this will end up sounding dumb but i just i don't see the thing that he does that is like great that ends up with him at the sort of ceiling that people are talking yeah about. i mean it's not a natural he, he is a the reason people compare him to tony parker obviously is the floater but also just he, he shoots so well in around the you know 15 feet in two point yeah. percentage which is just unnatural for mm-hmm. a guard that doesn't just elevate over people. And there's just something about his touch and his ability to score from that, you know, near mid-range type of thing that makes him with with his speed and I think a shot that I will I believe in. Maybe it's not maybe he's not a 36% shooter this year and actually maybe he has some seasons where he shoots in the low 30s whatever, but I believe in it being a legitimate weapon eventually in his career. Um and so I just, I just, I think he's going to get there. I, I don't think anyone's saying he's going to be a thirty points per game score, but I think if he's the second option on a on a contender as scoring like in the high teens, early twenties, I think that's certainly possible. Yeah, that. But I think that is, as far as his role, I think that is more Van Vliet McCollum than it is Lowry. I just don't see him as the first ball handler. That's that's me. But um, B-ball Paul. His floor I have is Thanasis Antetokounmpo and his ceiling is Giannis. Yeah, I think his floor is like a Hakeem Warwick or uh, uh, Jonah, a Jonah Bolden who doesn't get Ooh, mad at bad Twitter. Yeah. Did, you see, did you see Jonah tweet at me? No, is it about, I'm sure it's about crypto. Uh, no, it was not, surprisingly. He tweeted a, crypto a response, a response to, I replied to Derek a couple, I don't know, last week or something. 
when Derek was talking about, I think he was talking about like how weird the team is and how weird it is that Maxi has improved this much. And I was, and that like most young guys don't improve on the Sixers and haven't, haven't grown. They forget how to shoot. And I said something like one time Jonah Bolden made a good pass. And like six days later, Jonah Bolden replies, like calling me Mr. Levin and like said, like, keep doing your thing. Like it was, it seemed like I was texting with Derek about it. I was like, just, do you think he knows who I am and like has heard, read or heard me talk before? But I'm like, I've been, I was more pro Jonah Bolden than, than I had yes. any right to be for a very long time. An embarrassing length of time. When so it was obvious I, he wasn't. So if he, if, he, if Jonah Bolden is going around here acting like I'm one of his haters, then he's, there it is. CJ, CJ just put it up. Then he's incorrect. He's wrong. I mean, now he's not good and he's wow weird pyramids. You're here. doing great. It's yeah. such a diss. It's a, it's, a salt, it's a salty tweet. I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe you look, you're, thinks- you're on the you're na- name on the shirt, Jonah. Like, I'm gonna bring you up. I'm not bringing you up because of anything other than, look, you're I'm bringing up Choo Choo Madua Bum. Bringing up it's we're we're in the bringing up some names era of Sixers basketball, and you're one of the names. So you're getting wow. You're getting there. Holy anyway, shit! Very Do you weird. think maybe uh, he maybe maybe he's heard the pod like twice, and he just thinks that you're me. Who knows? He might just not know the difference. Yeah, Mr. I don't. I mean, you're doing great. I'm sure he didn't, hasn't listened to every episode of the pod. I wasn't sure he wasn't yeah. tracking. Okay, how does Mike feel about Jonah Bolden for four years or whatever? You're doing great. Yeah, <laughs> I was doing great. Uh, and then ceiling, I would say, is like a like a rim protecting Thad. I've talked about him as like a like very strange Thad meets like with like a little Rashawn. I also think there's like a just a slight dash, just a dash, a tiny dash, like a little nothing, a little of uh lamar odom like just a little bit ceiling of like some creation some like gets to the rim in a weird way there's a there's passing vision there he's just got to be harnessed and it's unlikely that he is harnessed but as like a incredibly switchable uh deflections a plenty like jump shot that worked in the g league for some reason like you can see it getting there but it's it's a lot of a lot of weirdness you have to get through a lot of weirdness to be like this guy's going to be an effective nba player but i i believe in him him. there's too many like in like winning positive attributes for me to not think he will at least have a couple successful seasons somewhere even if it's not here for doc because doc thinks he's too weird let's talk about the sponsor that is closest to your heart mike that is ll pavorsky joel why is he so close? Would you say? Um, to your heart, we, we vacation together yep. all the time. Yeah, in the in the cabana. And he's wearing the suit the whole time. Wearing the suit the whole. Yep. What is that? That's an alarm. Oh, I was gonna say. Does that mean you have to give a take? No, no, no. It's fine. I'll mute myself. <laughs> LL Pavorsky Jewelers, the first sponsor of the Ricky Christmas is right around the fucking corner. Jeez, Louise. And you need a gift. Maybe you want to propose. Great time to propose. Mike bought his engagement ring. <laughs> Alyssa just texted, LOL, not your morning. Like, <laughs> you, you set off the alarm. Forgot to turn the thing off. It's, it's LL. LL will forgive, forgive Alyssa for anything. Yeah. Well, and uh, Alyssa is wearing a ring from Mike, from LL Pavorsky Jewelers, our That's original right. sponsor, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Great. Yep. There is nothing. I've said this a million times. Don't, don't not propose 
on a holiday because you think it's too cliche. People like being proposed to. Propose on a holiday. It's a lovely, a lovely time to do it. Don't get married on a holiday, then your anniversary is, but but certainly propose on a holiday. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, llpavorsky.com. If you want to make a, uh, what's it called? An appointment with him. Email him, tweet him, tweet him at LL Pavorsky. Email him, lee at llpavorsky.com. Call the store, which has been there for over 30 years now, 215-627-2252. Over 220, writes Ricky Sanchez listeners, including Mike, have purchased engagement rings from LL. We love LL. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. All ceiling, no floor. And uh, you know, when we're talking about Christmas, I just want to mention kinetic skateboarding. If, you, if you're going to get me a gift, don't get me a skateboard or snowboard. I'll, I'm too old. I'll break my neck. But you want to give me a hoodie. You want to give me those vegan new balances that they have at Kinetic, kineticskateboarding.com. Uh, and if you buy a new snowboard from Kinetic right now, you'll get free tunes for the life of the snowboard. That's like 50 bucks each time. You get, like you're saving money. Kineticskateboarding.com, that's where you get spike a gift or your favorite 45-year-old in your life who still wears skateboarding hoodies. You want to do Ferk next? Yeah, I mean, I think he's pretty fully formed at this point. I think mm-hmm. it's hard to it's hard to see him really developing much more. Um, I think he just needs to shoot above like thirty seven percent from three constantly, mm-hmm. and I really think that he is taking on too much responsibility this year, like because they lack other ball handlers. And I would really like to see him just be a guy that can occasionally attack a closeout, occasionally run pick and roll, and just be more of a guy that shoots six, seven threes a game. Um, and if he, I think there is a, you know, he's very well liked here, but I think if he doesn't like just become a reliable three-point shooter on volume, there's a chance that he doesn't stick in a rotation somewhere else if he, whenever he goes to another team. Um, but I do think that there could be some like, some like Nick Batum ground bound, like Jack of all trades potential. I think even though I don't, I don't love him doing the so much of that this year, I think he could get better at it and be fine doing it. And just like, but I I would like to see more of the shooting and less of the other stuff, but it might be better for his career overall if to keep developing the other stuff. I'm just proud of my ceiling as guard Boris Diaw. Like, I, I like his, I like everything that he does with the basketball. He's just, to your point, doing it too much. But I, I do think there is room for him to grow and get better. I I agree with you that he's fully formed in that he'll never become an all-star or anything like that. But he's gotten so much better in the three years that he's been here. I, mm-hmm. you, you know, like we keep seeing players get better and better and better into their late 20s if they put in the work to do so. And mm-hmm. it's not going to happen for every player, but he's gotten so much better that I actually believe that he's got more to go. And I think he could be a 20-minute-a-game guy on a contender, like pretty solidly, actually. I think. You know? I mean, I think he was last year, basically. I don't think we were a contender last year. That's the they, were the one, they were the one seed. Like they yeah. objectively, if you're if you're the one seed, you get to be labeled a contender. You don't you don't get to win a championship all the time, but you get to be called a contender. Hmm. I also th- I think it's funny that between Dial and Batum, our ceiling for him is becoming French. Yes, <laughs> that's actually that's a really good point. He does need to get into wine. I would love a Furk wine stage. Yeah, you know, it would be. Great. I think we're gonna get that. That I believe yeah. for sure. Yeah. And the hair, the hair keeps going. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. What what about Shake? 
So, you know, floor is obviously what it is. I think I had his ceiling as Alec Burks. I think there's more room there. I think there's an argument hmm. that Shake Melton is a is a more con, is a better player than Alec Burks. He, Alec Burks right is now? like no. Yeah, way. I mean, Alec Burks won the Sixers last year and like, or two years ago and getting played over by Shake Milton. So it's not. I mean, Alec Burks has been helpful for New York. He does he does things well. He, but like there's he's got his weaknesses and he's like a a really like replacement level combo guard player. Um, I think that with like you need the jumper to get back to forty percent. And I, I believe in it, um, even though it still looks like a medicine ball. Um, there's a chance that he, if he maximizes all of his skills in the right environment um, and keeps improving on the margins, he could have like a couple Goran Dragic type seasons mm-hmm. where he gets to the rim and like and really orchestrates and just like is a, is just a very very helpful player all the time. Never an all star, but like a, a legitimate starter level player in the league. And I think maybe if he went to a bad team and became more of a primary option and just like put up stats, he could maybe do some like John Salmon's uh, Sacramento era, like God scoring and distributing stuff. There was, I definitely yeah. had John Salmon's on my basketball, on my fantasy team in like 2009 or whatever. And I was like, he's averaging like 19, seven and seven somehow. Like I'm just benefiting from it. Um, and if the jumper just like falls off forever and it just never gets back and he's can only do mid range stuff, like maybe he becomes. It's hard to say this guy because he was so singular to those Golden State teams, but like Sean Livingston, older Sean Livingston on like a regular team where he's just like kind of doing some stuff, not good enough from three, just like being fine. Um, hmm. He became maximized on those Golden State teams with Iguodala, but on another but team, Livingston, I think it, Livingston, maybe in terms of effectiveness, but Livingston had such a point guard mind and I don't that I don't think Shake has. Yeah, I mean, just like that kind of that kind of role of just like secondary ball handler, mostly in the mid range, yeah. like not athletic anymore after his injury, like those kinds of things. Matisse, I have as whatever he is now, but I I think I think if he doesn't improve, he could become like an eight minute a game player if he doesn't improve and I have his ceiling as like hyper Danny green. Yeah. Matisse, it's, he's just so singular to me. Like there's just never been anybody like him on the, Mm -hmm. on the defensive end. Like Danny is so the best version of Danny is just so solid all the time. And, and Matisse is a game breaker. Um, So I don't think that there's really like a, a version of it. I think there's like a, there's, you know, wing Draymond like as a as like a more you know less rim protectory less one through five but like one through four just turn turn the whole defense on its head like can anchor the defense from not the center position yeah offensively he had, I thought he had a couple of nice passes last night although he didn't really shoot at all um they're just gonna keep drifting off him like we just you know we're gonna keep doing this right where he's yeah he's helpful on on one end, he occasionally does some stuff. He gets out in transition. I would like his game to be supplemented by more cuts, although he does it sometimes and the team just doesn't find him. Like, how often does he get the ball in the dunker spot? Like, not never. Like, very rarely is he getting, like, an alley-oop to that. It just doesn't seem like this team optimizes that. It's more just a place to stand. Um, and then, yeah, I think I think if he is, if he never improves his offensive game, like Andre Roberson, just, like, yeah. borderline unplayable, 
Yeah. Um, That's a good be- one. I forgot because, about Roberson. Because yeah. you can't, like, you can't in a playoff game have somebody guard you 20 feet away. I think Matisse is already a better shooter than Roberson, but, like, he's just got to be, there, there's a rhythm to it. And if he's just going to stand there, like, He's not a confident enough shooter where he's like, good, play off me. I will hit this shot with everyone looking at me and taking my time. Even like Lou Williams yesterday was open, but for like 45 minutes in the corner. And like he did a little like rhythm dribble. It's weird in an NBA game to be that out of rhythm because they're not covering you. And for non-elite shooters, like it gets in your head. I think for everybody it gets in your head. Um, And so I would, I think Matisse just needs to be like, that's why you see him like, shoot pretty quickly because he wants to be in rhythm and feel like yeah. it's just like I'm I'm not thinking about it. I'm just going up and, and trusting my form. Um but yeah it's he's just gotta get better. I mean we we say it every year. You've been more positive about his offensive growth than I have, but like I he, I don't think he's better at anything on offense. I, it it's nominal. It's sort of like when we like when 25's free throw percentage would go up one point we'd be like, oh he's better at free throws. I like, no he's not. Um Thibault I will keep saying this every year. If he doesn't spend a hundred thousand hours in the offseason shooting threes, so he becomes better than a thirty percent shooter, he's. I just. I, I don't know what the fuck he's worked on. He's. He's in his mid twenties and he's still like, like a complete, a borderline disaster offensively. Uh, he. He doesn't. He doesn't do anything well. Really, like he doesn't. He. He, he doesn't think the game particularly well. He doesn't, he doesn't get to the line. He can't dribble. He, and he can't shoot. He can't pass. Like, I don't, I don't know. And he is, he is perhaps the most special defensive wing player I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, like not, I don't even know that there's anything close. Maybe, maybe like peak Kawhi or peak LeBron. Uh, but, but, and he does things that those players didn't even do. But offensively, he's just such a disaster that I just, I don't know that a wing defender can be impactful enough to stay on the court without being at least passable on offense. Yeah. I mean, I think if you put him on like, if you put him on like current Minnesota, where there's like guys who can shoot, guys who can create from every position, and there's like, we really need just like a defensive guy, and that's all you do. And he just like runs the floor, plays defense. Like, it's a little tougher here because. Embiid, you want Embiid to post up, and they've and they've determined multiple regimes of coaches have determined like the best way to optimize Embiid in the post is for everyone to just stand still. The guy close to the guy who feeds Embiid a, an entry pass, and then he cuts through the lane, is never passed to, then circles back around to the corner, and then those four guys stand there with one of them in the dunker spot sometimes, and they just stand there. And so on a team where it's not that, maybe, and it's just like shooting and freedom, and like he can cut. Like if you put Matisse on like. The Warriors right now, it'd be insane. Like it would be absolutely insane. Like he would, he would be optimized, and it would be like how how much better has he gotten? But it's just like oh, it's because of the offense they run, and it's it's just not the offense that that Embiid runs is just not conducive to like minimizing Matisse's many offensive flaws. But I I do think on a team like Golden State, there would be games that Matisse wouldn't play at all. Like I I think he could be this chaos agent that they throw out there that if it doesn't work, he's off the court in two minutes and doesn't get back in the game. He just he, I, I don't I don't know who knows I mean who knows we'll we'll see it. I would love for him to be able to harness what he has, and it will take one thing on offense. He's going to need to learn how to do one thing, and it just seems like shooting is the most likely that could happen. You know, it's hard to become a good ball handler and all that kind of stuff. It seems like shooting is something that is 
easier to work on in the offseason. Sure. I, I think he has improved his dribble. Like I, I'm going to be, I'm going to scrutinize all the things he's gotten, but I think he has improved in transition finishing as a, as a like steal go the other way. And there's a guy in the way, like there, there were times early in his career when you just saw him like put up just bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see him as a screener a little bit more as a roller. If there, if this team has more passing, like him as a lob threat would be really nice for me because mm-hmm. he gets up so quick and he's yep. long. Like those kinds of things would be nice, but it's mm-hmm. it's it, it just might not be the right scenario for for him to do that. And so I wonder, you know, if they're, I wonder what the what the future holds for him. I I, I don't think the team's looking to trade him at all. I think that they really like his like singular skills. And with Danny getting older, I think they're thinking that he would just fit into that role. Possibly, really wonder what kind of contract he would get. Um, it might be unpalatable, and if they are worried about having to pay him that much money then maybe they do start to think about trading him um but yeah it's it's we're gonna keep having the same conversation about him because he hasn't gotten good enough offensively mm-hmm. uh what do i have i have bassy and and for you grant riller thank you S- so grant we don't riller... need to do aaron henry it's fine oh, aaron yeah. henry is a solid 3 and d guy he's gonna be great uh bassy i think the ceiling is like theo ratliff i think he's just like Blocks a ton of shots. He oh, rolls really good. hard. Yeah. And like had Ratliff was a pretty good foul shooter for a big guy. And I think Bassey's the same type of deal. And I think it's just he is the prototypical, like I rebound my ass off. I run, I, I set screens and run. Like he's not trying to do too much. Um, the floor for me would be like Jordan Hill, if you remember him. Uh, he went to Arizona. He was drafted, I think, like fourth overall. Uh, and just was like just bad. Like the shooting never came together. He was he he was big and have and had like a big body. They thought like they were determined to make him like a shooter but like he just never put it together there's nothing he was actually really good at and so if he like goes away from his strengths but for me like bassy is long he screens and rolls hard and he blocks the fuck out of shots like that's like all you need to be as a center there's very little doubt in my mind that bassy will be a very solid at least backup center for a long time and occasionally on the right situation like you know get some spot starts whatever but he's just like he's just a, he's just a ready-made second round like didn't cost any value to get him just solid big man that the Sixers haven't had for a while uh, backing up Embiid because everybody else had so many other flaws. And Grant Riller? Uh, Riller, I think, is somewhere between like an, like ceiling is somewhere between like an Ish Smith and a Jordan Clarkson um, with like speed and shiftiness and like can get his own shot and some creation for others. Um, I think like jitterbug scorer type of thing is is what you're hoping for and he's really i i really hope we get a chance to see him play because his finishing around the rim is really impressive and unique for a guy his size and i would love to see it um in some in some regular season games and this floor is like i don't know mike james this floor might be grant riller right now just like never playing playing in the g league fucking love mike mike james is a great comp it's who i thought about when i saw grant riller yeah i i I will. I he. We heard he's still injured and stuff. So I would like him to be healthier and play. We did two more weeks. That's what we heard, right? As of a few days ago, you know. All right. Um, we will end. We're, we'll get to mailbag next time, but we'll end with the hard to stomach YouTube comment of the week because I don't want to miss the YouTube comment. Very good, quick appearance for Mike. Mike in and out. You know, good good appearance. So, Jason Peters, I, I block. I I pull my hamstring and I leave. 
Two hard to stomach YouTube comments of the week. One I just thought was funny, but the other one I thought was sort of interesting. The funny one comes from, I'm not going to say his name because it seems like it could be some bad name, but the Sixers all move like they have thumbtacks in their shoes. And that made me laugh. Like it is, it seems like Danny sort of moves that way, thumbtacks in the shoes. But mm-hmm. and it also made me remember that my two fears, one basketball, one non-basketball, my two irrational fears, my irrational fear of playing basketball was always that I would break my finger. I was like always terrified that I would break my finger playing basketball because I saw a dislocated one once when I was playing basketball and it was horrifying to me. Dislocations are so gross to me, like the whole pop it back in thing. And I always had a fear when I was younger about sitting on a thumbtack because dickheads in my middle school and high school would put thumbtacks on people's seats. It's fucking horrible. Sure. Yes, that definitely runs. If there was, if the floor was mic'd a little bit more, not just the rims, and you could hear them just like as they're dribbling, go like, ow, 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 ow. That's why they're going so slow. Yeah. By the way, a great comment on the YouTube from James Steen. Daryl is going to flip Ben for two monkey NFTs and a dog coin. And then the other hardest ever YouTube comment of the week is uh, from Jay Bart. And I poo-pooed this months ago from Eurojohn on Twitter. If anyone is in part of Philly basketball Twitter, you know Eurojohn, who has never seen an American player he likes and never seen a European player he doesn't like. But Jay Bart says, give me Ricky Rubio. And man, if Ricky Rubio isn't a nice like backcourt mate to Maxi, that I feel like. I poo-pooed before, but he's obviously not the guy that we need need. But if you're just talking about, you know, a, a player that is gettable, then all those sorts of things. I think R- Rubio has evolved in a very quiet, nice way. And him as a backcourt mate with Maxi, given his size, his lead ball handling ability, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think he would be, um, is an interesting thought, you know? I mean, totally. I think he that's exactly the role he's serving with Darius Garland in Cleveland right now, especially without... Sexton, I, I feel like, and they're doing well. I feel like they're going to hold on to him. Mm-hmm. And they're currently, I think, have a better record than the Sixers. So um, it's just tough. I love Evan Mobley, and they've found something with Mobley and Jared Allen and, and Larry Markkinen. Um, if the wheels fall off there, somebody gets hurt, maybe they decide to you know grab another good pick or whatever. But I think it's probably unlikely. I mean, Rubio is the kind of guy where in previous seasons it'd be like, okay, let's just get him and like have at least some stability in the on on the second unit or even maybe if Maxi struggled, you'd, you'd flip him and stuff. I was thinking there was a there were a couple, uh, especially in light of the seventy three point loss from the Oklahoma <laughs> yeah. City Thunder. Yeah. Um there were some more SGA ru- ru- uh yeah. little rumors, ruminatings. Yeah. Um I love SGA. He's not playing well this year, not playing as well. His percentages are way, way down. Um, if they don't think that they're going to be able to, like they, they just signed him already. So if they think he's going to be asking, if he's asking for a trade, if he's tired of it there, if they want to hand the keys over to Josh Giddy, who looks good as a rookie. Fucking love um, Josh Giddy. Was then, in my top 10 YouTube billboard, by the way. Then maybe you look at, then like I would, I would, if that's a Ben trade, then I would be so happy about it. I'd be very happy about SGA. Always loved him. Um, they took him a, a one pick after Mikael Bridges, who was then unceremoniously given away. Um, so he would be it would be nice if SGA came home. And I would love and, and if you do that with a CJ trade, say you did like a Tobias CJ situation. I just started dreaming about it. If you if you trade, this is the last CJ thing. CJ is so much a, better than Tobias. 
if you trade Tobias and Danny for CJ and Cuff, if they just want to move on, obviously we should we should have talked about Portland fired Neil Olshay. Yeah. It's total chaos there. Jason Quick wrote an article for the Athletic, where just like just totally destroying everything that's going on there. It's so stupid when you okay, we're going to hire a coach for a long time. Okay, we're going to fire the GM. Like it's just it's bad, and they're saying it's because of the. Uh, abuse and workplace harassment and just hard, toxic workplace investigation but like it's really because he they're, they're bad like i don't believe it at all it took like three weeks for them to be bad and they lost to the spurs at home uh by a lot and then they fired their gm and it's like okay yeah i'm sure it's this is the principled stand you're taking for sure but if things fall off there my my like i'm pissed at the sixers and let's just try to make some ha- stuff happen tobias danny and a pick for cj and cove ben and seth for sga and uh darius baisley who i think would be nice for size and development going forward and then cork and b-ball paul for terrence ross and then you go maxi sga maxi cj sga cov and bead as the starters with plenty of ball handling there with shake terrence ross matisse niang drummond off the bench Let me i make think a that'd po- be a really really good team let me make a point about sga just as a maybe a nod to the haters because I think this could be a situation where it's true. You know, one of the things about the Sixers and everyone that said losing culture and yada, 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 is that the players that ended up here were not, did not really lose for that long. And it wasn't really that bad. Like Ben was never on a losing team. No. Uh, and Bede was only on one for one year and he only played a third of the year. Yeah. You know? and in that January, it was like, we could make the playoffs. Like it right. Was, it was not, it was not bad. But the SGA to be at the point in his development he is for the Thunder to be doing this, mm-hmm. it just has to be hurting him mentally and and his game. It's just like this is this sort of like repeated losing on purpose and losing on purpose and just I, I don't blame them for doing what they're doing and how they're doing it. They have a lot of young, interesting players. But if you're SGA, who's probably what twenty four or twenty five or something mm-hmm. like that, you you're you're in like the pre part of your prime. You're on a good team, you could be an all-star level player. You just have to look around. You're in Oklahoma it's, City. Yeah, you're in Oklahoma City. And you just have to be like, like, what the fuck is this? And it has to be hurting him at this yeah. point, I think. so. Yeah, and they're going to, yeah. I think, look, everything doesn't have to be a referendum on the process and how we were fucked. <laughs> but like it could, it certainly could be. Could be, yeah. Two lesser guys for, certainly could make this about a referendum on the process and how Dave Silver is a fucking loser and the Colangelo's are losers and they should have like just go, gone the fuck away but and but because it's happening in Oklahoma City and Sam Presti has had a track record of that it's just like it's weird honestly it might have been our fault like it might have been our fault for talking about the process and raving about it and everybody was like we can't have this happen and it just became a narrative it's it's just so it's so wild how like just things become stories and they just like have a life of their own and then it's like you can't you can't move on from it Whereas like Oklahoma City, it's like, yeah, everybody's what they're doing. Oh, wow, look at them getting picks. It's fun. Rather than like the, no one's saying sanctity of the game. I think they might have started saying sanctity after the seven three-point loss. Yeah. But like they've been doing this for a long time. Like, And they're a scrappy team. Like they're not horrendous. They're not the worst team in the world. But by the way, neither were the Sixers. Neither were the Sixers ever one fucking season when Joel Embiid hurt, hurt his foot for a second time. And it's just like, okay. It, it was wrong then. I don't think that the and whatever. If I fuck the league. Fuck this league. This league is drunk. Fuck them. <laughs> this league is drunk. All right. We will talk to you later this week. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Some of you have been 
more part of this pod than Mike even has. Like, has Mike didn't even hear the beginning part of it. So, um, and then never will again. Never will again. We'll talk to you later this week. Are you done with TTP? Yeah. You know, click face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a plan B.